Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. If you are new, and uh, maybe even if you're listening online, we are in the last week of our current series, which is called Juice. Have you been enjoying this series? Have you been getting something out of this series? You've been listening to the podcasts? I've been listening to the podcast, and um, we're going to do our final um, virtue of, of this spiritual juice, the spiritual fruit that we've been talking about all year so far. And as Steve said pre, um, earlier on, next week we're going into a series on, on finances, and we've never actually done it as a church, um, but one thing we want to do is actually get God's wisdom applied to every facet of our life to ensure that, that we're not locked in, um, but we're actually living in freedom in every facet and every um, thing of our life. So that's what we're doing. Well, you know, for some reason, God in His providence, He's actually allowed every single person here today and every single person who's in earshot of my voice the unique privilege and opportunity of actually being alive here in 2017. And what a great time to be alive, wouldn't you say? I mean, there are some great things about being alive today. You know, in Acts chapter 13, um, Luke, he actually says, David, he served God in his generation, but we're actually here in this generation and God is actually calling us to serve God and His purposes in our current generation. And I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but each and every one of us are on pilgrimage. Every single one of us are called to service. Every single one of us are called to a specific journey in life in this generation. And it's not kind of a journey where you kind of walk in the, along the sand of a beach and then the wave comes and your footprints are come kind of like washed away. The journey and um, what God wants us to do is to actually leave an indelible mark on this earth. He actually wants our life to be so significant, so um, profound, that there is an indelible mark that is left for generations to come. He has actually entrusted us with the great privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news is basically this, that, that there is an event that has already happened. Did you know that? Over 2,000 years ago, something happened at Calvary that changed the face of history. And it has changed everything. And what good news is, it is news about an event that has happened and we get to carry the good news of Jesus Christ into this world. And the good news is this, that a revolution has begun, that the kingdom of God has started, that if you call yourself a Christian, you just don't walk idly in this world, but within yourself and in your community, in your family, there is the power of God to actually shake the world for Jesus Christ and bring about His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Does anyone believe that? Are you excited about that? Amen. And I was just thinking about this idea of journey. And um, I know that whenever I go for a journey, um, there's always provision that you want to have, isn't there? I mean, imagine, I mean, don't, don't look at me for this, but imagine if you're someone who's a bit more physical like Steve and all that, and, and you go for a hike, right? You go for a hike out in a bush, and I'm scared of snakes, so I won't go for a hike in bush. Or, or maybe like Gareth and Elaine, they're up in Rolling Stone, there's great places to go for a walk for a hike, and, and imagine you go out and, and, and you're walking and you're just refreshed and you're just rejuvenated with the sights and the sounds and there's little babbling brooks and there's streams, and, and it's just so amazing, you just keep walking and walking. And walking, and sooner or later, you actually hit a different terrain. It's, it's kind of dry. It's kind of this red earth. And it suddenly gets so hot. And you just keep on walking and walking and walking. And you've got this like backpack on your back, but you just keep on walking. And before you know it, you sort of fall to your knees because you're just so dehydrated. And you're so thirsty. And then you like pass out. And then someone comes and finds you. 
and say, man, what's up with this guy? Well, this dude just passed out because he got no water. He's like dehydrated. What a tragedy it would be if that person who found you rummaged through your backpack and actually found a bottle that actually had what you needed, water. That it was actually provision for your journey, but you didn't know it. And I think that so many times we as Christians, we go through the journey of life and there are moments that are green. There are moments that are fantastic, but there are also moments that are pretty harsh, aren't there? Has anyone been through a hard time in life? Well, we need to know that at both times that there is provision, that there is provision that God gives. And the virtue which I want to talk about today is something that each and every one of us are desperately going to need. We started this series by talking about this idea of spiritual fruit, that, 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 that the spiritual juice, that, that, that we live in a world and part of our responsibility is to provide spiritual juice to the world, right? That this world is thirsty, it's dry, it's, it's kind of, th- and, and they need some juice. Well, this virtue is actually all about you. It's something that God provides for you. It's a provision in life. And we're going to be in, um, um, I'm just going to read from Galatians 5. Everyone who's been here the last couple of weeks, you, you know what this says. You can almost read it off by heart. Paul says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In this final week of our series, I want to talk about something that's so important to each and every one of us. It's the spiritual virtue of peace. Anyone need a bit of peace in their life? Man, I reckon we need some peace in our life because I watch the news and I read newspapers and I look at um, stuff on the internet and, and I don't even have to do that. I just go for a walk down the street and I recognize and I observe that there are parts of our world that seem to be so hostile and rugged and violent. And it would seem to me that this, having this provision of peace in a world that seems to be so out of order, out of whack, it would be a really highly valued commodity in life. I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I look out into the world, I see that the world seems to be at dis-ease, doesn't it? There's no ease in the world. There's like this dis-ease in the world. I mean, there's threats in the world. There's war in the world. There's sickness in the world. There's displacement of people currently all around the world. There's racism that runs rife. There's this anxiety that just comes and wants to just clutch onto you. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but every time I open up that letterbox, there's another bill. I cannot believe it. There is, like, uh, it's like almost I just do not even want to open up that box because every single time there's like another bill and it's just like scream, pay me, pay me, pay me. And all this stuff threatens to bring disease. But thank God that he's actually promised us a provision that will actually enable us to navigate through a world that is at disease. You know, someone uh, once said that ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because what's outside of them actually gets inside of them. And the spiritual virtue of peace is a provision that will actually enable us to journey through life to the point where what's outside of us doesn't enter inside of us. It's almost like we've got our internal world and there's an external world. There's an outward world and there's an inward world. And when the stuff happens on the outward world, there's this virtue of peace that God gives that enables us to keep on tracking through life and know that whatever's happening on the outside doesn't necessarily have to affect me on the inside. It's this virtue. It's this provision of peace. Does anyone want a little bit more peace in their life? You going to talk back to me this morning? Does anyone want a bit of virtue of peace in their life? 
I told you, I don't like quiet churches. It just makes me feel nervous. <laughs> Talk back to a brother. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to John chapter 14, verse 26, and we're going to unpack this promise of this provision a little bit. And what you need to know is that it is Jesus who's actually speaking here. And Jesus is actually speaking just before he's about to be handed over to the Romans to be tortured and crucified. And he knows it. All right? He knows it. And this is what he says. He's with his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid couple of things we need to understand about Jesus as he gives this promise to the disciples is that there is this kind of nature of the peace that he's talking about. Firstly, he says, this is my peace I'm giving you. Think about that. Could you imagine walking through this world, having the same kind of peace in your heart that Jesus had when he's walking on this earth? Could you imagine how phenomenal would that be? Well, that's actually the promise. That's actually in your backpack. Whether you know it or not, it's actually in your backpack as you're journeying through life. It's actually right there. The provision's actually there. You may not even know it's over there. Just like that dude like passed out because he didn't know water's in his backpack. The peace is actually in your backpack. It's right there. Because he said, it's my peace that I'm giving you. And it's a gift. And he says, I'm not going to give it to you as the world um, gives it. And he, then he says, don't be afraid. And I want us to consider this morning what we actually think about when we think of that word peace. Because Jesus makes a distinction. He says, I'm going to give you my peace, but I'm not going to give you the same kind of peace of what the world gives you. In other words, I don't want you to think about my peace the same way you might think of the world's peace. Because we often think about peace as the absence of hostility, don't we? We think about it about the absence of conflict, the absence of threat, remaining in something when you really like, want out of it. Or, or maybe have you been through a life and you just know like, if you talk to someone, no, it's not just going to be a conversation, but something is just going to erupt. It's going to be like a volcano. So, so you know this person's over there. You walk on eggshells and you do everything you can to avoid this person. And you think that's actually keeping the peace. See, we live in a world where we use our English language in such a way that it's a negative. Like when two sides sign a treaty, oh, that's peace. You know? Or, or, or if there's the absence of something, that's peace. Or, or, or when a husband or wife, maybe you're having a bit of an argy-bargy, as happens in all marriages, and, and you come to a conclusion and say, oh, now we have peace in the house. But this kind of peace that the world talks about, or we understand from a worldly standard or perspective, is very different to the peace that Jesus is talking about, the peace which he had. Jesus actually talks about my peace. You know, one of the um, great theologians and teachers of our day, Eugene Peterson, he said, Jesus is the dictionary in which we look up the meaning of words. And therefore, Jesus in himself defines what his peace is. And this is Jesus, right? He takes his disciples, he takes his fellows in a boat and say, okay, we're going to cross over there. He goes, has a sleep because obviously he's had a hard day. He's in the stern having a sleep. And all of a sudden, this huge storm comes and threatens to actually kill them. Right, they're, they're in this huge, there's waves and everything. And disciples are getting so perplexed, they're in this place and they're so distressed that they wake Jesus up. And what does Jesus say? He says, why are you afraid? That's the kind of peace we're talking about. 
We're talking about the kind of peace where Jesus is having his last meal with his disciples, leaning back, knowing that Jesus, Judas is about to betray him, knowing that Peter's about to like betray him, knowing that they're about to go off into the garden, everyone else is going to fall asleep, he's going to be by himself, he's going to be handed over, he's going to be accused wrongly, he's going to go get absolutely whipped and then he's going to be nailed to a cross. He knows all this stuff is just around the corner, like literally, and he says, I don't want you to be troubled. I'm going to give you my peace. This is the kind of peace where, where, where people are continually causing and throwing accusations at Jesus. Have you ever had people continuously throw accusations towards you? And they're not true. And you know they're not true, but everyone else seems to be believing them. Do you, do you, have you ever been in that place? Like, you know, you, this is not true. But you know what? It's like spreading like wildfire and like one little spark of gossip or accusation. And all of a sudden, it's just out there. And all of a sudden, everyone's pointing their finger at you. And you know it's not true. Jesus is in this scenario and still he has peace. That's an amazing kind of peace, isn't it? That's an amazing kind of peace. This kind of peace that can sleep through a violent storm. This kind of peace that can remain steadfast when being offended and accused. This kind of peace that has no kind of strings attached. It's not the kind of peace that the world offers. Because the world says that if you want peace, you need to achieve it. If you want peace, you're going to have to go and get it. This is a different kind of peace. It's this idea that everything is well in my soul. Everything is well inside me, even when everything outside of me is being ripped apart. That I can look in every single direction and it looks like the, literally the earth is falling from beneath my feet, but still inside of me, in my heart, in my soul, it is well with my soul. It's that kind of peace. What an amazing provision. What an amazing provision. You know, in Scripture, peace has two primary words. There's one in the Greek and there's one in Hebrew. The one in Greek is Irene, and the one in Hebrew is Shalom. And um, it is very common, and, and even like you, you may even um, give a green tea to someone say Shalom. Um, this idea of Shalom is kind of idea of this inward rhythm, inward rhythm. Let me show you what it may look like. Hobie, do you want to get on the drums just for a minute? But this is, this is kind of what shalom kind of feels like. You know, inside of me, just picture this. I've just got this calm, cool rhythm. It's just going like this. But outside could be any kind of rhythm. I mean, just give us something really busy and fast and just, just crazy. Like, so, so. That's happening on the outside. Now you keep on going, man. Happening on the outside. On the inside... Right. Do you get the picture? I want to give Hobbes a hand. You know what I should have done, though? I should have got someone who doesn't know how to play the drums to get up there because they actually had some pattern in it, right? You can understand it had some rhythm, it had some pattern. But amazing, imagine if you had some crazy dude get up there, he had no idea how to play the drums, and he's going... Because let's be honest, sometimes in the outward world, there is no pattern. It is just crazy. And what happens is that the outside rhythm can actually make its way to the inside rhythm. And what the peace of God says is that even though there's an outside rhythm that is out of, out of link, it could be noisy, it just be 
cymbals crashing. It could be so loud and out of order. It actually says, Shalom says, even though there's something on the outside that just seems so overwhelming, yet inside it's just... And doesn't matter what comes. It could be sickness. Mate, you could be in financial trouble. It could be some relationship. Man, it could be absolutely anything. And you just continued steadfast. It's an internal rhythm. It's this internal rhythm. Another understanding of, of peace is that internally, I am whole. You know how I said earlier that we live in a world that seems to be dis-ease everywhere? Well, inside, this idea of peace is that there is ease. There may be dis-ease on the outside, but there's ease on the inside. There may be disorder on the outside, but there's order on the inside. In fact, Augustine of Hippo said that peace is the tranquility of order. The tranquility of order. Isn't that just beautiful? The tranquility of order. I wonder in your life right now, as you come to church and you've gone through life, every single one of us is in a different spot. We've encountered different things, but we're all in this moment together. And God's brought us here in this moment. I wonder if there's some areas in your inward life that actually need that tranquility of order. Tranquility of order. There needs to be peace, you see. Peace. And this kind of peace, without understanding, this kind of peace is not or does not need or require the absence of tension in our life. Because it understands and acknowledges that outside there's going to be all kinds of things that are happening. But inwardly, I'm still steadfast. Inwardly, it's still well with my soul. Inwardly, I still have the peace of God. Inwardly, this peace remains. But isn't it so interesting, as I said before, that Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but not as the world gives it. So right now, they're trying to get peace in the Middle East. They're trying to come up with an agreement. They're trying to work towards something. And Jesus says, I'm not going to give you that kind of peace where you need to work towards something. But this kind of peace... It's not something that you need to work to get, but here's the deal. This kind of peace is something you need to work to protect. Completely different. Because living in peace does not happen automatically. It doesn't happen by accident. We can have the peace of God because we have the peace with God. And I think it's a shame that sometimes people, churched and unchurched, think that they live such a life that is just so terrible that they can't actually approach God and have peace with God. What a load of rubbish. Because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. It doesn't matter what you've done with your life. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life. If you come to Jesus Christ, if you come to the foot of the cross, He will give you His peace. He will give you His peace. But we can have the peace of God because we have peace with God. But we need to actively pursue peace on purpose. Because there are so many things in our life that actually come to threaten it. There are so many things that will come and shout and bring accusations. There are so many things that will bring threat and vulnerability. There are so many things that will say, you need to take this and you need to carry this. And let's be honest, there are some things in life that are far too great to carry. In the beginning of this year, we had both of our kids start um, school. 
And, um, you know, in our family, like, it was just joy and rejoicing. It was fantastic. It was like celebrations, like praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to have more time to ourselves. It's, it's amazing. I've heard that it happens also with um, empty nesters as the kids sort of move out of home. You sort of get your house. Does that happen? All right. But what I noticed is that every single um, Monday I take these kids to school, um, take Kayla to school, and uh, during the week we'll take her as well. But what I've noticed is that... Um, Jackson and Kayla have these really big bags, right? And they're really cute to take photos of, right? But you need to understand when a parent takes a photo of a little kid with a backpack on, um, that's about the length of time that that kid carries it. Um, This bag is so big and they try to carry it, but they can't because it's too heavy. They come to a point now, a couple of weeks into the school year, where Jackson actually says, Dad, can you carry my bag because it's too heavy? I think that sometimes we enter the world so little just to inform us and to let us know that there are certain things in life that we're actually too little to carry. There's actually some things in our life that, that they're, they're too great, they're too heavy. Do you know that fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, all of these things, if we carry them for a prolonged period of time, they are too heavy for us to carry. One of the most common commandments in the Bible is to fear not. Fear not. Why in the world would God continuously say to his people, fear not? Because the grip of fear continuously gets into our hearts. And we actually need to protect our peace because when fear comes lurking, when fear comes knocking on the door, so often our peace is the very first thing to get out. And that rhythm which is happening on the outside actually enters the inside. And God's saying, you need my peace as a provision of peace when fear comes knocking. When fear comes lurking, when anxiety comes, there is actually a provision for that part of your journey. Because if we carry that stuff too long, we become unwell. So I want to give two ways that we need to be active in protecting our peace. Are you okay with that? Two ways. The first one's found in 1 Peter chapter 5. Get your Bibles, why don't you turn there? 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily easy, but what I am saying is that we need to intentionally engage in protecting our peace. Because if we are not intentional with peace, we will not live in peace by accident. It just doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't happen. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 9, Peter speaking to the church, he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now be alert and sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering as what you are. So Peter's here and he's saying, okay, there's a way that you need to actually intentionally, actively work on anxiety and fears that will come lurking in your door. And what he says is that you need to humble yourself. And we think, what does humbling myself actually mean? Well, he says, this is what humbling yourself means. Cast your anxieties, cast your cares on God, right? That's what it is. That's actually what being humble before God means. Did you know that? The problem is... Man, if you're anything like me, I love to cast stuff. I'll get my fishing rod out and I will cast it out. But then I reel it back in. Anyone else like that? You can cast that sucker out there. I come to God in prayer. Oh, God, I just pray for this. And I poof. Five minutes later, I'm just reeling it back in. And then I'm looking at it and then I'm observing it. And I'm not worrying about it. Oh, my gosh. And that's what happens in life, isn't it? We cast out. But then we reel in. We cast out and we reel in. 
we cast out and we reel in. What Peter's saying is that when you cast out, you actually need to leave that out. Because if you start reeling it back in, that's actually going to affect your peace. It actually says, Peter actually says, if you want to know what real humility is, real humility is relying on God and not yourself. Because as soon as we start worrying and become anxious about that, we were actually say, okay, God, you're not big enough to handle this. I reckon I'm going to handle this somehow. And God's saying, no, you need to cast that sucker to me because you're actually too little. You are not big enough to carry that in your backpack. It's too big for you. But there's a provision of peace to actively cast it out. Now, this sounds very simple, right? Especially for you guys who love fishing. You know, the only thing I catch is blowfish. I, get, I kid you not. But for you guys who know how to fish, this sounds really easy, but it's very difficult to actually keep that care out. It's, it requires discipline to keep it out. And say, so, okay, no, I'm going to cast this. I'm going to trust God. See, at some stage, you have to trust God. You have to, at some stage, you have to trust God with it. At some stage, you've got to say, okay, God, you're bigger than me. God, you're stronger than me. God, I can't, I, I just do not have the capacity to deal with this. At some stage, there has to be a decision that says, I'm going to leave this in your hand. And for the, for the life of me, I'm going to try to the best of my ability not to reel it back in. And the great thing about what Peter says is that you can cast your cares on God. Why? Because he cares for you. Because God loves you. He cares for you. He loves you. And you can do this. But we need to choose to trust God. And understand what he says after this. He actually says you need to be alert and sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. This is what he's saying. You know, as you read that through context, this is what he's saying. It comes down to the worry and the anxiety in your life that makes you vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. That's what it is. That if we are living in fear, do you know that behind every sin in your life or in my life, there is actually fear? Psalm 139 verse 23 to 24 says, Test my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me. They're behind every single thing that does not line up with the Word of God. There's actually fear. So instead of knocking someone over their head for doing bad stuff all the time, how about we actually be a little bit savvy as Christians and say, hey, dude, you got some stuff behind that. How about we investigate that and look at what you're actually really scared of and actually bring that before God and allow God to bring healing in that and then the action will change. See, we need to be smarter as Christians. We need to understand that, that the enemy's out there looking for people to devour, and we see people stumbling, and we see people falling, and then we want to just chuck them out. We want to like, tell them, you're a really bad person. We want to put up placards and banners instead of loving them to the point of saying, oh, whoa, there is some fear in your life. There's some anxiety in your life. Let's actually sit down and deal with that and see complete healing and wholeness actually happen. Let's see that the inward rhythm doesn't change just because the outward external rhythm is chaotic and just ripping apart right now. That was good preaching, by the way. Just so you know. Worry, it's a thief. It does. It's stolen so many things from my life, I tell you. It's, it steals my sleep. It steals my creativity. It steals my energy. It steals my emotions. When I have anxiety, when I have fear, I do not make wise decisions. I simply don't. It's a thief. Jesus said, how many of you can add one hour to your life by worrying? Well, obviously, a lot of us think that I can live forever if I just continue to worry. But God says, no, you can't. You can't. You, you, can't. you cannot add one, one thing to your life by worrying. 
And that's why he says, you need to lean on me. You need to trust me. You need to come to me. You need to cast that care on me because I love you and I care for you so much. And even if you find yourself in this habitual behavior that is destroying your life, you need to like acknowledge that there is something that is lurking, that is lying behind that. There is a fear. There is an anxiety. And God wants to heal that so you can live in freedom. But it's his peace, you see, that brings it. So we need to be active in that way. Second way we need to be active, and I, to be honest, I struggle a lot with this one, okay? This seems so easy and so practical, but, oh, my goodness, this one, oh, I find this so difficult. I'm getting better, but I find it difficult. Do you want to know what it is? So simple. Slow down. Have you noticed how fear makes you quicken? Like you've got anxiety, you've got fear, you think people are out to get you and all that kind of jazz. I mean, I've been there so many times and all of a sudden you think the answer to this is to act faster. And actually at those moments, Scripture will say you need to act slower. You need to actually slow the pace down. Romans 15 verse 33, Paul speaking, he says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Like a full stop. Now the God of peace be with you. Amen. There are so many times when I'm with my wife, Andrea, right? Now, we've got the kids, and we're in the car, and the kids are, like, either screaming or singing or something's going on, but I'm still with my wife, but, like, all the kids are over there, and like, we're journeying towards somewhere, something on the radio, and all this stuff is happening, and, and, you know, it's just chaos going on, and then we go to a playground, or we go to shops or something, and, and maybe sometimes, like, the kids go off over there, so I'm looking over there, but I'm still sitting with Andrea, and, like, that's happening over there, and that's going on over there, and it's all going over there, like, like, there. as soon as the kids go to sleep, phew, we slow down and we sit together and it's at those moments that I know I'm with my wife. I was with her the whole time, but it's only when I slow down. And you know what? I actually don't like it when the kids get up after they're supposed to go to sleep because I just figure they're stealing from our time. And it's like, no, you get back to sleep. <laughs> You've had your time, now it's our time. But that does happen. See, see, Paul's saying, and the God of peace be with you. Amen. Now you put amen in there, right? And then he keeps on going. He kind of put his full stop over there. Amen. It's like, you just need to know this. Amen. I've got nothing to say about that issue. Nothing to say about that topic. Amen. That's it. But this is the, um, the complexity of the gospel. We can know stuff in our head. But it needs to be engrafted into our soul, into our heart. And we can have all this knowledge going around. Like seriously, I read this article just yesterday talking about fat Christians. And um, this guy was saying, we've got about, Christians generally have about 3,000 3, extra like scriptures in their head because they just know it all. But Christianity and discipleship is not about knowing it. It's about doing it, isn't it? And it's actually this journey of actually getting stuff from this noggin up here down to our heart. And we can know, oh, yeah, God's with me and he's the God of peace. And like Jesus gave me his peace and all that kind of jazz and all that. But it actually takes time. You need to slow down in order for that information to become a revelation in your heart. You have to do it. There's no other way of doing it. There's, there's something about the slowness of God that was so counterintuitive in this world. Yet it is the pace that God has decided to journey through life with. Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But be still 
and know. How difficult is it to be still? I was looking on Facebook this morning, and um, in my preparation for this sermon, obviously. But I saw that there's this, because I, I like this um, technology website page, and they've got these um, chairs for people who don't like to sit still. So basically, it's a chair, but underneath, there's like this pedaling rotation thing, and, and like, it means you never have to be still. But in order for us to protect peace, stillness is on the journey. Be still and know that I am God. You know, sometimes for me in prayer meetings or by myself, I just seriously have to get on my knees and just be still. Because there's no, otherwise I'll be walking or I'll be doing this or my thoughts will be going there. But I just have to, people think, Dave, you're so spiritual, you're on your knees. But it's like, no, God's here, I just need to be still before my God. And, you know, every time I get up from my knees, I feel like I'm an inch taller for some reason. Every single time. But it's that discipline of actually coming before God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me by still waters. He leads us by still waters, you see. Stillness to slow down. If we want to protect peace in our hearts, in our lives, if we want to make sure that this inward rhythm doesn't get tainted by the outward rhythm, if we want to ensure that there's completeness and there's wholeness, we don't need to work to get God's peace. We've already got it, but we do need to work to protect it. And being still before God is the journey of protecting peace. I guarantee, I will give you a guarantee this week. If you think to yourself, maybe you think, okay, I'm just going to wake up 10 minutes early I'm going to set my alarm 10 minutes early and 10 minutes every single day. I'm just going to quiet my soul and be still before God. I guarantee you, you will have more peace in your life. You will respond differently. And you will find that, that when, when things do arc up, when things present, instead of wanting to go faster, you'll start thinking, now, right now, I need to go slower. I need to go slower. I need to go slower. And I need to protect a provision that has already been given to me. Because Jesus said to you, if you are a child of God, he said to you, my peace, I give you. My peace. Not as the world gives, but my peace, I give you. And I guarantee that if we consider, as we meditate, as we take just some simple practical things of casting our care and being disciplined not to reel that sucker back in, taking time out to be still before God, this virtue, this spiritual virtue that is part of the spiritual fruit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, this spiritual virtue, this facet of the fruit called peace, it will become more of reality in your life and become more of reality in my life. And we will walk on this earth more peace regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of what's happening in the political landscape, regardless of what the accusations may be, regardless of what the letterbox bills may be talking to us, we will walk in peace and there will be a steadfast rhythm in our souls, in our hearts, and we will declare in worship and in praise before Almighty God, it is well with my soul.